This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Our Father, we, we gather in this place this morning thanking you again for your goodness and your tender mercies. Lord, our, our hearts are encouraged as we come to these meetings, Father, and we're being reminded of your great love, your power to save and to transform. We thank you, Lord, for the information that we are receiving. You have said you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. And we are grateful for that. We are also, Lord, grateful for the encouragement we're receiving as we're being reminded that we serve a God that, uh, that not only hears immediately, but also cares deeply. And we thank you for that. And Father, I thank you. I have been humbled to see your working here. And Lord, I petition for the, the continuation of that. Uh, Father, the, 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 all of us are here because we want to hear a word from you. We want to understand more fully uh, how and what it means to connect with you and to remain connected uh, to you. And so, Lord, we're going to be looking at a, at a couple models uh, of prayer here. And uh, I pray that you will bring to my remembrance the things you've taught me. And then, Father, I pray to you, organize them in a way that your will will be made manifest to each one, uh, depending on their experience and their, and their place, Lord, at this moment in Earth's history and what's going on in their life. I don't know. Others may not know, but you and they know. And so I pray that you'll meet them where they're at and give them uh, counsel and courage, hope, and strength. So, Lord, at this hour, we ask for the outpouring, truly, of the Holy Spirit in its fullness upon us. Now, shut us in, Lord, to the secret place of the Most High. We wish to sit at your feet and be taught of you. Thank you for this. And we ask it all in the name of our Lord and Savior, our, our, our God and King, Jesus. Amen and amen. If you'll open your Bibles to the book of Mark, uh, let's look at Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Before we get into that, I, I've just been reminded, I'd like to share something with you. You know, I like to pray because I know I'm helpless, at least most of the times. Perhaps it would be more honest to say some of the times I know I am anyway. But, I, but I'm coming to the understanding more and more of my total dependence upon God for everything. Are you with me? And by the way, did you know that that brings peace? If you want to get stressed out, try to work out your own stuff. But, uh, but I find I, I have more and more peace in my life because... Um, I can trust God more, and I, I'm learning those, those wise words from Ellen White, do what is right and leave the consequences with, with God. And uh, early in my walk with the Lord, when I, when I began, I, I think I shared with you when I uh, briefly uh, attempted to take my life in a, in a, in a moment of uh, despair, when I was trying to run my own life, I just made a mess of it, and, um, and how God stepped in. But within, it may have been, Within 30 hours of, of when the Lord pulled me out of that mess, this piece of paper was brought into my hand. This is the exact paper. 
I dug it out of a trash can at, uh, at La Sierra College. It's a miracle how he got me in there. Within a 24-hour period, my life was going nowhere. And he swept me off my feet, and yes, he put me in La Sierra. At, 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 where, at where I was in life at that time, I couldn't have handled anything else. Okay? And my God is a wise God. And, and as I pulled this out of a trash can, in one of those moments when I was pleading with God that I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be able to make it, but I share this with you this morning because I don't know where you are and what you're dealing with. But I believe this will speak to you. There is question, this, this quote is, uh, is credited to having been written by Ellen White, and there's debate on that. In fact, to, the, to our knowledge, we don't think that she did, but nevertheless, the Lord is in it. Listen to this. Prayer is the answer to every problem in life. It puts us in tune with divine wisdom, which knows how to adjust everything perfectly. So often we do not pray in certain situations because from our standpoint, the outlook looks hopeless. But nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is so entangled that it cannot be remedied. No human relationship is too strained for God to bring about reconciliation and understanding. No habit so deep-rooted that it cannot be overcome. No one is so weak that he cannot be made strong. No one is so ill that he cannot be healed. No mind is so dull that it cannot be made brilliant. Whatever we need, if we trust God, he will supply it. If anything is causing worry and anxiety, let us stop rehearsing the difficulty and trust God for healing love, and power. That was my inauguration to a walk with God. This morning we're going to look at prayer and uh, we're going to look at it. Our introduction is going to be through Jesus. What time does this session end? I don't have that paper in front of me right now. Ooh, a two-hour talk. No. This one ends a little sooner. Um, 10.30. Yikes. Yikes. I better get going. Oh, hermano, muchísimas gracias. Perfect. Mark chapter 1, and let's take a look at verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he, Jesus, went out, departed in a solitary place, and there he prayed. Every day. That's how he started his day. You know, I, I, I kind of wonder, you know he didn't just start that when he, he got into ministry. That was his habit. And, and I can't help but wonder Jesus waking up long before anyone else did, when it was yet dark and there was, the air was chilled. He would go out of the house, out of Nazareth, and out into the hills, there finding a, his familiar spot, perhaps next to a, a stream. And, and I, just, I just picture him in my mind's eye, sitting down there and, in that solitary place and closing his eyes, drinking in the sound around him and then opening his heart to his Father, beginning to pray. The disciples, many times when they would, they would wonder where he went, they knew where. They just had to go find him. And, um, and, and when they would, they would be amazed at the way that he would pray. They would listen to him. Wouldn't you love to have heard one of those prayers? 
They would just sit there amazed that he communed with his father and he seemed to be totally oblivious to their presence. And in one of those experiences, when he was done praying, they looked at him and they asked him a question. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. We want to pray like that. And in response to their request, Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer. Let's take a look. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. If you need more time, say mercy. Okay. Luke chapter 11. And I am going to pick up in verse 2. Verse 2. Luke 11, 2. So he, Jesus, said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us. uh, day by day, our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In this this simple prayer, with Jesus, and keep, keep yourselves there, we'll spend a little time there, but Jesus wasn't saying, repeat this over and over again. But what, but what he was doing is he was teaching the elements found within prayer. It was a model for prayer, but it's the elements uh, that are to be found in prayer, are found in this prayer. The disciples wanted to learn how to pray. Do you feel that way? I do too. So today we're going to look at this model prayer that Jesus taught. And what we're going to find is that the prayers of Jesus are simple, earnest, and comprehensive. That's what we're going to discover. We're going to to discover also is that this prayer is broken up into three parts. The first is how to approach God. The second is how to address God. And then the third is presenting our needs to God. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. So the very first thing is how to approach God. And it begins by saying, he, he, he began by teaching them to say, Our Father which art in heaven. Now, we grew up with this. But you have to understand how totally revolutionary this was to the disciples. This blew their mind. The prayers that they were used to were very formal prayers. And, and God seemed so distant and far away and impersonal. Do you sometimes feel that way? That's, what they, that's how they felt. And then Jesus blows them out of the water by saying, Call him our Father. And more than that, in the Aramaic, It's daddy. What an imagery here. Jesus was presenting of God, of the Father to the children. What imagery here. How how heartwarming. You know, as a dad, uh, I love to hear daddy. Now, now some of you here have been, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been fathers. To hear daddy is, is music to me. I can't tell you what. There's no way I can communicate to you except to look at another dad and we'll both nod. There is something about hearing daddy. You know, my kids are growing up now. They don't say daddy. Can you see my 16-year-olds calling me daddy? I miss that. But I'll go to the park and I'll hear children, even to this day, say daddy. And I'll spin. I'll turn to it. It is precious. But you know, we're living in a day and age 
where the devil is doing everything he can to pervert the relationship between their children and their father. And, and some of us have gone through some pretty awful experiences. And when we hear father, we don't get warm fuzzies. And the prince of darkness is seeing to that. Homes are broken up. There's all kinds of abuse in the home. And when we think of father, it's not a warm fuzzy. It's hard to relate to God as a father when that's been your experience. God understands that. And he's patient. And you know what I have learned to do with young people who have gone through this experience is I connect them with Jesus. Then later, I, I let them make the, the connection. I'll share more about that with you. My dad, as I shared with you, was an atheist. He wasn't just an atheist. He was an aggressive atheist. He was an angry atheist. And if you mention religion, my dad was in your face right now. You can imagine what it was like growing up in my house. And um, I didn't think too much of it. That's just life, right? Whatever you grow up in is normal. Amen? And uh, later... When, uh, when my wife gave birth to our first child, I began to realize that our concept of God is built largely upon our relationship with our fathers. So if you're having difficulty connecting with the Lord, you understand why. Okay? And the Lord does too. Just don't give up. Persist. Okay? And the Lord will break do, through. But anyway, I, I began to understand this. And when I, when I began to realize that, it scared me to death because now I was dad. And I realized that my children's concept of God was going to be based largely upon my relationship with Him. And that still scares me. I have to be surrendered for their sake. And uh, anyway, as I thought about that, I began to think about my dad. And, uh, and his anger. And I thought, you know, I wonder if his atheism has anything to do with his relation with his father. And as I thought about it, I began to realize, you know, my dad never talked about his dad. I thought that was very unusual. So my sister uh, gives birth to her first child. I fly to the West Coast, and this is running through my mind, and I'm thinking, I want to ask my dad this question. Now, let me tell you, that was risky business. Okay? My dad never, rarely, ever opened up to his past or his feelings. My dad is a wonderful man, though. He just dealt with a lot of baggage. He was, he was as good as he could be, considering. I love my father. And uh, so one day we were driving, and I was praying to the Lord to give me this opportunity. We were on the freeway, and I said to him, Dad, I'm curious. Was your father religious? And my dad turned and looked at me, and there was fire in his eyes. He was furious, and he went to a 10 right now. And I said to him, Dad, he was, and he was a hypocrite, wasn't he? And all of a sudden, my dad began to open up, and what poured forth? was such a sad story. It was so pathetic. It was awful. And, and then the worst thing is, is that he would go to the church and he would go to the confessional and ask for forgiveness because he, he wanted, he wanted his grandfather, my grandfather, his dad wanted to go to heaven. And then so he had asked for forgiveness and then he'd go out and do it again. And he'd go back and go to the confessional go out and do it again. And so my dad figured that if God was involved in any of that, he wanted nothing to do with him. And he hated him. And, I, and, 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 then I, and when I turned to my father, I said to him, you know, Dad, now I know why you're an atheist. And if I was you, I would be an atheist too. I said, but Dad, God isn't that way. God did not buy into that. And those men who are doing this are going to pay for it. And I began to describe to him the God that I've come to know. And do you know that my father is no longer an atheist? By the grace of God. He hasn't accepted Christ yet. 
But we're working towards that. We're working towards that. And he reads the materials I give to him. But the reality is that Jesus wants us to know who his father is. He is our father. He's our daddy. And I don't know what experience you've had, but our Heavenly Father isn't like that. He is much more, much more. And so in approaching God, the very first step is to realize we're approaching someone who genuinely loves and cares for us. Genuinely. In fact, the Apostle John writes us and and reminds us, Beloved, now we are sons of God. Prince and princesses. This whole room is filled with royalty. Don't laugh. Because that's not funny. That's a matter of fact. It's a matter of fact. The first thing we learn is we're approaching our daddy. The next thing that Jesus wanted us to remember uh, is how to address God. Hallowed be your name. What does that mean to hallow? To hallow the name of the Lord requires that the words in which we speak of the supreme being be uttered with reverence. Holy and reverent is his name, the psalmist tells us. We are never in any way to treat lightly the title or the name of God. In prayer we enter into the audience chamber of the Most High and we should come before him with holy awe. You know, the fact is that we don't even know what that is. We live in a society that is so incredibly irreverent and disrespectful, that these words don't have much meaning to us today. We burn our own flag on television. We mock the family. We mock God. It's pitiful. We have to learn how to be reverent. Amen? We have to learn. And, uh, and, and, and that has been a real struggle uh, for me. Because I was very much a product of, uh, of this culture. And, and to me... You know, when I think of authority, uh, I think of someone very distant. Is that true for you? I, I think very distant. And so for a long time, I had a difficult time connecting with the father because the father to me was the big heavy that only showed up when you got in trouble to lay some discipline. That's all the father, that's what it was to me. So I connected with Jesus very well, and, but I stayed away from the father in my prayer time. And then one day... Uh, I was spending time with Jesus and his conversation with Philip. And when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that messed me all up. I mean, honestly, I didn't know how to pray then. And so my prayers became very distant, very distant, um, uh, very formal. And I did not know how to connect with God. And finally, I just confessed to him. I said, I don't know how to relate to you anymore. I don't know how to. And, um, And little by little, the Lord began to teach me. You know why? I had nowhere else to go. Without God, I, there's nothing for me. There's nothing for me. There's the world, I would never be a happy sinner. I'd live that life. I don't want it. I'd never be a happy sinner. It's Jesus or death. That's it for me. And, uh, and I asked the Lord to help me. And as I began to study the Bible, I would see how people responded in the presence of God. And so I realized, hey, you know, maybe I need to do that. But it wasn't until I combined the authority with that daddy thing that I began to understand the father really is the perfect example. Because a father is supposed to be not only authority, but a friend. Ideally, that's how it's supposed to be. Not only authority, but a friend. And so a father figure is really the best analogy that we can give to the, our Heavenly Father. It's the best analogy we have. And, uh, and so I began, I began to learn, I had to, I had to struggle with this. And when I look back and I think back at how I used to pray to God, I cringe. But I'm so glad that God understands and he works with me because that's the best I knew to do. 
and he worked with me. But we've got to remember, you know, I, I, I was blown away. We've got to remember that when the angels come into his presence, we're told that they veil their faces and they fall down, they cry out, holy. By the way, they love to do that. It's their joy. And, um, and so one of the ways that I have learned to prepare my heart and mind for worship and, and being respectful to God is to praise him and to thank him. To praise him and thank him. And for some of you may not know what's the difference. But praising is, is acknowledging his attributes, that he is kind, he is holy, he is just, merciful, patient. I like this word, tender. Ellen White uses that word, tender. Wow, I like that. He is tender in his treatment, his dealings with us. So it's praising him for his attributes. And then, thanking him, we're, we're acknowledging his works in our life. For the things he has done. By the way, it's very interesting that when you study the Bible, when God describes himself to people, we, we like to say God is love. You can't hardly do that anymore because that word is so perverted that there's no telling what's coming to the mind of the person you're talking to. But, but it's interesting that when God describes and introduces himself to people, he, he very, very rarely does it that way. He normally introduces himself based on his acts. I'm your creator. I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. I am the one that brought you out of Babylon. Are you with me? It's on his acts. And so people can identify with acts. Amen? And so most of the times, that's how he uh, identifies himself. So as we think about uh, his character and his acts, it has an impact upon us, and it actually prepares our hearts and minds for worship. And by the way, uh, you know, even in our worship in my family, uh, with my family, I, I, don't, I, I don't believe it is healthy for us to be slouching around when we're having worship. I really don't think so because we're teaching ourselves something that is not healthy for us. You know, um, I, you know if, if, if God is holy and just, and if by beholding we become changed, it's going to impact us for the better. But if God is like us, it's not, it won't save us. Oh, where's my Bible? Let's see if I can find this text. I think it's in, I think it's in Psalms 50. If it's not, then it's in Isaiah. Give me a moment here. Yikes. I'm not going to find it, am I, Lord? Okay, I found it. Psalms 50. You know, Israel had a lot of problems. Amen? We have a lot of problems. Amen? In Psalms 50, 21, uh, God is, is pointing out some of these things. Watch what he says. It's very interesting. These things you have done, and I kept silent. Psalms 50, 21. You thought that I was altogether like you. We're a mess. If we turn God into a buddy, that will not save us. God is pure, holy, and righteous. And if we train our minds to think of him that way, it will have a transforming effect upon our mind. That's why in worship, in our church, and in our home, we have to conduct ourselves in a way to train ourselves that we're approaching a being that is far superior than us. And only that will have a transforming effect upon us. Amen? And it actually prepares the heart and mind to appreciate who it is that we are approaching. Uh, I believe that in worship, at least one time, I'm sharing my own conviction here, and I think if you did some research, you'll find the spirit of prophecy. I, I think we can pray in any position. But when we come to worship, we ought to kneel. We ought to kneel before our Maker. We ought to. So, hallowed be your name prepares the mind and the heart 
to come into the presence of our great God. The next thing that Jesus taught us, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. We need to be praying for the soon coming of Christ. Amen? Amen? Unless you like it here, I want to go home. We need to be praying. But, but not only does the kingdom, you know, when we, we're acknowledging this, we're saying that, that this kingdom, there is a kingdom. If there's a kingdom, then there is a king. And there isn't a kingdom or a king if there isn't a law. Are you with me? We're acknowledging that this, there is a king, our father's the king, there is a kingdom, and this, gov, this kingdom, this government is established by law. And, and so when we're praying, we're, we're acknowledging ourselves as a citizen of this kingdom. And so that kingdom needs to be in our hearts. That law needs to be in our hearts. Right? And so even though we're not in the kingdom now, we're on this planet, but we're here as ambassadors of that kingdom. Are you seeing where this is going? Dear friends, we need to be representing that kingdom correctly. You know, I was talking to a youth pastor one day, and uh, I, I really appreciated the things that this man was saying because he really wanted to live right for the Lord. Take a look, if you will, in Leviticus 11. Let's take a look at this text right quick. Leviticus 11. Because this is God's call to you and to me and to all those who claim to be his children. Leviticus 11.44. And the word of God tells us, for I, Leviticus 11, do you hear the pages turning? 11.44. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves and you shall be holy for I am holy. And so when we pray your kingdom come, this is to be coming to our mind. Am I representing this kingdom aright? And so this youth pastor uh, wanted to be effective in reaching his young people. So he was praying earnestly for the Lord to help him. And in, in one time, during a time of devotion, he was saying, Lord, what can I do to be more effective in reaching my young people? And a thought came to his mind very clearly. It says, give a consistent message. And that really troubled him. This man began to think about the messages that he had been giving, all of his sermons, his theology, you know, he's going through it all. He couldn't think, he couldn't see anything that was wrong. So he began to pray, Lord, I don't understand what's inconsistent about what it is that I'm teaching. I don't understand. And as he continued to pray, the Lord began to to reveal to him, "There's there's more ways than just with your mouth to give a message. The way we dress gives a message. The music we listen to gives a message. The way we spend our time and money sends a message. The way the things that we eat send the message. And what he was telling him is send a consistent message. That if we believe Christ is coming, the way I dress and the way I spend my time ought to reflect it. Are you with me? If we want, if we really want Jesus to come, we ought to reflect it in the life. Not just something we preach, but something we live. Amen? And so when Jesus in here reminds us to pray, thy kingdom come, it's to take inventory of our whole life. Amen? Not only with our words, but with our life reflected. The next Jesus said, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. So evidently, God's will is not being done on earth as it is in in heaven. But here Jesus now turns our focus to God's will. Not our will, but to His. When our hearts are yielded to the authority of the kingdom of God, then this will be established. And that begins with you and me. 
yielding our lives to him. You know, we, the, the, the most awesome example we have of this is of the Lord, our Lord, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was going through an awful experience, and he did not want to go through that. Have you ever been there? Ever been God called you to do something, and you just didn't want to do it? Well, Jesus identifies with you when you're in that experience. Study Gethsemane. And study how he got through that. And he finally yielded to his father's leading three times. And he surrendered his will to his father's. So Jesus understands. And that's what he calls us to do. You know, when I uh, came to know Christ, after that experience, and then I went to La Sierra, and I came to know Jesus, um, what my heart yearned for were, were my friends in the academy. We were always getting into trouble. Mercy. Well, we were always getting into trouble. Something wrong happened. They went looking for us. And they just knew somehow we were involved. And, um, and, but, but my whole class, we were all a bunch of hurting kids. Homes were being broken up. And we just became a family. We were, we were supportive of one another because we weren't getting support from anywhere else. And, and, and I remember in the... This is not an attempt to be critical or anything. You know, I'm remembering it as an 18-year-old, okay? But I remember sometimes, you know, those rare moments when a youth will open up their heart and ask a a question in class, and you knew. You knew by the reaction by the other students, everything went silent. And they would turn to the teacher to hear the response. And many times the response just didn't hit it. You know, you can tell that the issue was, was dodged. And so... We lost interest. But, but when I came to know Jesus and I began to read my Bible, many of those questions came back to my mind that my, 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 my friends would ask. And my heart burned because I now had the answer. And I wanted to go back to them. Do you know I prayed a goofy prayer? It isn't a goofy prayer. Is anything too hard for God? I said, Lord, will you please send me back in time? I cried. I pleaded. Pleaded, send me back in time. I now have the answers. Put me back at that moment so I can answer that question. I have it now. And he didn't. But instead, he made me a teacher. And I work with young people. He had another way to answer. But I didn't give up on those kids from my class. And I continued to pray. And in every year reunion, I went back to spend time with them. And, and I tell you, with the exception of the last reunion, I, I hate to say this, but uh, we had a bar in every one. I'm just being very honest with you. I won't tell you my school. But uh, not at the school, but they would go off campus and there was a bar and a disco and, and the whole nine yards. And I would go, not to participate, but in hopes of reaching one. In my mind, if I could just reach one, then in the next reunion, there'd be two. That's what I was thinking. So I would go. And, uh, and sometimes I was so discouraged. I, I mean, the miracles, the things that God did during these visits, and, and it's just amazing. But uh, on my 20th class reunion, and by this time, the Lord has made me a pastor. And when I showed up, their teeth about fell out of their mouths. They couldn't believe it. Who? And, um, and, and I, they, were, they were planning the events for the weekend, and, um, and somehow I weaseled into the planning committee. And, uh, and, and so I said, you know, guys, what we really need is a Vespers on Friday night. Let's call everyone together. And there was silence. Yeah, that would be a great idea, George. And uh, who, who are we going to get to speak? I said, I'll do it. Because what I wanted to do was give my testimony. They can't argue with that. They knew what I was like before. What are they going to argue with? 
And uh, they said, yeah, that's a great idea. And so anyway, a few days later, they called me back and they said, uh, you know what, we did this survey and nobody wants to do it. Well, I find it kind of interesting that I never got the survey. <laughs> but nobody wanted to do it, so they put the kibosh on that. And that really discouraged me. And, and then um, they were going to, uh, then they started planning for stuff on the Sabbath. And I said, hey, guys, and it was really goofy to me as they were praying before this. And I said, guys, isn't this a little strange that we're praying and then we're turning around and breaking God's law? So they nixed me from the planning committee. <laughs> that was the end of that. And um, so I wasn't going to go until I talked to a principal friend of mine in the Battle Creek Academy. And he encouraged me. He says, George, let your, let your life be the sermon. So I said, okay, I'll go. So I went. And uh, I ended up at the very end of the weekend sharing with one of my classmates. We just, I just entered into my, I don't know how it got started. There was a few of them. And I ended up sharing my testimony with them. And, uh, and one of them said to me, you know, George, I'm in charge, or I have, I have a part to play as to who we have as an alumni speaker. Would you be willing to come and be our speaker in 08? And I said, consider it done. My, my, my time is, I was so, by the way, I already had my sermon, ready to go. And, um, and so anyway, the years passed, and they, they, I was counting down. I could not wait. And... Uh, and then um, we have our, our, uh, our, um, our alumni weekend uh, on the first weekend of May. And as we were nearing it, it was January, I was waiting for the phone call. And nobody called me. It's okay. You know, I know it is. You plan things. You wait for the last minute. Then uh, January went by, and then February, and there was no one. I was starting to get a little concerned. And then uh, uh, March uh, went by, and that was the end of March, and I had a bad feeling. And so I called, because I was looking on the website, and they had nothing planned on there, so I figured nothing had gone on. And I called, and I said, you know, I'm curious, but uh, who's your speaker for the alumni uh, weekend? And they said, they gave me the name of the speaker, and I said, oh, okay, thank you. And I held the phone. My friends, I believe fully we don't have much time. And, uh, and I, I, I wondered to myself, that would be my last opportunity to speak to my class, my last chance. I can't tell you the burden I felt in my heart. And I, I went for a walk, and I talked to God, and I said, you know, I wanted that. I thought that was for me. And instead, you've given it to this other person. I said, Father, if this person will reach my classmates for you, then glory to your name. I don't want to go. But if that position was for me, if I'm the one you want to speak, I am asking you to override what has happened and put me in there. And I left it at that. And I went to my wife and I said, you know, honey, I think this is the last time I'm not going to the reunion this year. She said, why not? I said, you know, it is so disheartening to see the things that go on. And I said, but not only that, but right now, I'm going to have to take vacation time. The conference says I can't go unless I take vacation time. It's going to take time away from the family. I went to the whole litany. Uh, when I, and then on top of that, I'm going to have to pay for my flight out. And right now, we're kind of crunched. And then on top of that, when I get there, I'm going to have to rent a car and more expense. I'm staying home. A few days later, I came home, and there was a message on the answer machine, and it was the principal of this academy. And I thought, that's odd. I've never even spoken to a man in my whole life. Why is he calling me? So I picked up the phone, I called him, and we're on the phone. He says, is this Pastor Bauti? I said, yeah, I got a message from you. He said, listen, um, would you be willing to be our speaker this year? I said, you already have a speaker. He said, we do. 
Uh, but normally we like to have a speaker that is uh, that's one of the alumnus, and we couldn't find one, but, uh, but somehow we, we, we got word about you, and so we'd like you to be the speaker. I said, absolutely. I said, listen, can you do me a favor? Can you call my conference office and let them know you're inviting me so they don't charge me vacation time? He says, absolutely. He says, we'll fly you out and we'll give you a room. And I said, no, I'll stay with my brother. He says, in that case, we'll give you a car. <laughs> I wish I can tell you more about that visit. I wish I can tell you much more. But the, my point is this. When I surrendered, the Lord worked. I was willing to let him do whatever he knew to be the best. But when I surrendered, the Lord worked. And what God wants is for His will to be done here. And for that to happen, we have to be willing to allow God to take control of our lives. For His will, just as done in heaven, to be done here, and that begins with me. So far in the Lord's Prayer, we have looked at two things. Number one, we recognize God as our loving Daddy. And number two, we acknowledge His goodness and His Lordship in our lives. And the third thing, now, now that our hearts and minds are prepared, now we bring our petition before the Father. And here we find the words of Jesus, give us this day our what? Our daily bread. And here we're finding that the Lord is interested in our needs. He is very interested in our needs. Turn with me to a very familiar text, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. And it's verse 6. I know you know this. In fact, if you don't have it memorized, you need to because it will encourage you in the times of challenges and difficulties. Philippians 4, 6. Are you there? Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. This is an invitation. And the Lord also says, my God shall supply all your... How awesome is that? Do we really believe that? Do we believe that? But, but the thing is too, when Jesus says, give us this day, did you notice it didn't say, give me this day? It's us. And we have to remember that as God shares with us and meets our needs... He wants us to do the same and to share them with those around us. By the way, how many of you notice that when you have your prayer life, your devotion life, and you walk away and you really can't remember what you had for worship that morning? You want to you see that stick in your mind? Share what the Lord shared with you that morning. If you share what God gave to you, it's going to stick in your mind. Remember my words. Because God, everything in nature is designed to receive and to give. The only thing that has messed that up is us. But God, as we ask, let's remember the next guy. Amen? We're not the only ones struggling. By the way, if you want, if you want to get a real quick, uh, the process out of depression is to realize you're not the only one that's struggling. There are others too. And as we spend time helping others, you'll be amazed at what will happen in our own life. God is so good. But it's not just about ourselves, but others. In Amount of Blessings, page 105, we find these, uh, excuse me, 105, we find these words referring to God. He hears every word that is spoken. Wow. Every word. Listens to every prayer that is offered. Tastes the sorrows and disappointments of every soul and regards the treatment that is given to father, mother, sister, friend, and neighbor. He cares for our necessities and his love and mercy and grace are continually flowing to satisfy our need. Continually. 
Give us this day our daily bread. God is interested. Mount of Blessings, 105. So as we ask for the Lord for our needs, let's remember the needs of others around us. Amen? But then uh, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When we pray and ask God's forgiveness, we need to remember to be very specific. How many of you have ever been offended by someone? Someone has done something to you that really hurt your feelings. I mean, it was obvious. And then they come up to you later and they say, you know, if I've done anything to offend you, I'm sorry. That meant a lot, huh? And it's like they did it to you all over again. They're really not acknowledging that what they did wrong. And when we go to the Lord and, Lord, please forgive me my sins, if I committed any sins. <laughs> no, God wants us to be specific, just as we want people to be specific with us. But there's a reason for that. We're taking ownership of what we've done. And not only that, but now we're really inviting God into the situation. Lord, I should never have spoken to my wife that way. Lord, I shouldn't have spoken to my child that way. I am sorry, Lord. Forgive me. By the way, while I'm asking him for forgiveness, who's next? Them. Amen? They're the ones. But by being specific, we're allowing God into the situation so that when he starts bringing things to bear in our life, we start making the connections and realize what he's doing and working for us. Amen? And we can start cooperating with him. So when we ask God for forgiveness, we need to be specific so he can be involved in the situation. But the fact is, we've got to remember that when we ask for forgiveness, God gives it. When we ask Him. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. But pastor, I don't feel like it. I'm sorry, I didn't see that in the text. Where was that? It's called faith. Right? It's knowing who we're praying to does not lie. But we can't forget either that there's a little word here that's very powerful. A-S. As. Forgive us our debts as. As. We love to be forgiven. So do others. Let's remember that uh, if someone has harmed us, we need to extend the grace that we're, we're seeking from our Heavenly Father. Amen? And again, nothing, it has nothing to do here with feelings. We know how we feel. Jesus, you can imagine if in Gethsemane, Jesus made his decision based on feelings. It'd be game over. There'd be no G. Well, there wouldn't be anything. And, and, and the thing is that, you know, anything based on feelings won't last long. It has to be based on commitment. Amen? And, and you know what I've learned? I want to share this with you. Tuck this away in the back of your mind as you lead through life. I'll ask, I hope the Holy Spirit will bring it forward, even if you don't remember where you heard it. When God brings about the transformation process in our life, stay with me, the last thing to change are our feelings. It's the last thing to change. Do not make decisions based on your feelings. Base them on principle. Based on the revealed will of God, do what is right, leave the consequences with God. But hear me, the feelings will be the last thing that will change. But they will change. The things I used to love, I now hate. I've shared that with you. And the things I used to hate, I now love. The last thing to change are feelings. Make decisions based on principle. But forgiving others. It's very interesting that in the Lord's Prayer, there's only one aspect that Jesus elaborates on. Turn with me in Matthew. Of the whole Lord's Prayer, is the one thing that he fleshes out in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 14. Matthew 6, verse 14. 
For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. And the thing is, we don't understand the issues involved. That's not a mean statement by Jesus. It, what it is, it's, a, it's acknowledging the fact that we're ignorant as to what's going on. We need to study this. I would love to do a talk on forgiveness. But uh, we, just as we receive it, he wants us to extend it. The next thing Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, temptation, we understand to be an t- enticement to sin. Does God entice us to sin? No. In James 1.13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. What's going on here? It's talking about testing. In other words, what the, the idea being expressed here is a request. What request? In other words, help me, Lord, not to fall into it. When I am tempted, don't let me fall. I love this quote, Signs of the Times, pay, uh, Signs of the Times, 1905. God sometimes allows Satan to tempt his children that they may be proved and tested. If they rely on their own strength, they will fail in the trial. But if they realize their inability to help themselves and trust wholly in God, he will provide a way of escape. There are times when it is necessary for men to be exposed to danger. By the way, let God choose that time. And to be placed among corrupting influences. But a sense of their dependence on God will lead them to keep their hearts uplifted to Him in prayer every hour. For strength to resist and grace to overcome. The experience gained in these fierce conflicts fortifies the soul to pass unscathed through more trying ordeals. You know, I hear people say, you know, I I raise kids and, and, and I shield them as much as I can. You're shielding your kids. I say, thank you. You betcha. You do your best to shield your kids. The devil's going to find a way in. I guarantee you. So don't make it easy for him. And, and people say to me, wait a second. Um, you, you, shouldn't have, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, they, they should know what, what, what life's about out there. Oh, then let's just give them heroin. I mean, where do you stop? Is there anywhere in the Bible that, that where we're admonished to have a knowledge of good and evil? Yes. And the voice was of the prince of darkness at the tree. No. And I, it's funny to me, and the reason I'm bringing this up is this. Don't place yourself in harm's way unless the Lord is calling you there. And people say to me, yeah, but look, you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. They were in Babylon. It's not like they bought tickets and went there. You know? Or Joseph. But when the, when the Lord places you there, you can trust Him to keep you. But when you place yourself there, that's presumption. Presumption. But I'm so grateful. In 1 Corinthians, turn with me there. 1 Corinthians 10. I love these words. Words of encouragement. You know, the devil loves to blindside us. Amen? You all haven't noticed that? <laughs> Amen? He loves to blindside us. Uh, you know, the Lord has really been blessing me through these talks. And I, I, I trust that He is you as well. Do you know what my prayer is this morning? Lord, when I'm done here, don't let me lose my vigilance. It's not over until we get home. 
1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Does that encourage you? Listen, when the devil slams the door, God opens a window. Look for the window. Look for the way out. Lord, I wasn't expecting this. How do I get out of this now? He's provided one. Look for it. You know, when I, um, when I was growing up, uh, as a child, and I share with you the, the, the violence and the, and the challenges, a little bit anyway, just in, in, in large strokes. You know, as a child, you don't know how to deal with stuff like that. And so the way that I dealt with it uh, is I escaped into a world of fantasy. That was the only way to deal with it. I didn't know any other way to deal with it. And uh, what I would do is I was a certain uh, TV show that, uh, that I, would just, I just immersed myself into. And then later, I liked to build models, and they, they made uh, uh, models of some of the things in the show. And I would make those, and I, was, I would lose myself. I can really shut out reality. Like, I can just tune it out. There was nothing happening around me. I was gone. That's how I dealt with it. And then later in life, as I grew up and I came to know the Lord, I, I was still attached to this. Little by little, the Lord began to show me that I needed to give that up. You know, the one thing that brings you comfort. You know, listen, friend, who's the one that's supposed to give us comfort? Jesus. This thing was taking the place of Jesus. The Lord didn't go after it right away until I was ready to deal with it. God is kind. And I had enough of an attachment with him that now he's saying to me, look, I've got you. Let it go. And, uh, and I, I really struggled. And on top of that, then the Lord began to show me. He began to squeeze me. He began to show me that the, 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 the program that I liked so well was blasphemous. Suddenly my, my, my hearing was tuned in to what was being said and done. Hey, listen. Don't talk about my parents. You know, I don't know if you're that way. Don't talk about my parents. I love them. They're not perfect, but I don't want anybody else talking about my parents. Hey, I don't want anybody talking about my healthy father in a disrespectful manner. No way. And when I heard that, that was it. Boom. The show was off. Now, did the devil pull at me? Every time I went to the mall or when I went to uh, the store or something, they were selling TV sets. It just so happens when I walked by, there was a commercial for my show. But... Um, but anyway, I let it go. And then one day, they turned the show into a movie with all my characters. And that was a hard pull. I struggled until one day I finally said, that's it, I'm going to go see it. I'm done. I knew I shouldn't. I was going to go see it. And the days were leading to when I was going to go to the movies. I don't go to movies at all anymore. There's nothing there but, but garbage. I'm sorry. I don't go do that anymore. And uh, I stopped that long ago. But, uh, but anyway, and I knew it was wrong, and I didn't know who to call. I needed help. So I called my mother. Mom, I'm struggling. I share with her the whole story. I'm going to go see it. And she said to me in a very monotone voice, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Praise God. Quoting scripture to me at that moment, I felt something lift from me, and I was able to say no. And I didn't go. I was able to say no. I didn't go. I praise God that God has provided for us a way out if we look for it. When we're being tempted, we're crying, well, I don't know what you're dealing with right now, but I know you are. Turn to Jesus. Turn to His Word. Turn to godly friends. Ask somebody to pray for you. And God is there. He will make a way of escape for all of us. Now, of course, this is assuming that we're not willingly placing ourselves in the path of temptation. I like to use this analogy. My, my senior pastor had a, had a donut fetish. 
But if your thing is donuts, don't show up to Krispy Kreme and then start praying for deliverance. <laughs> Stay away from it. When you're in the grocery store and you're in the checkout line, guard your eyes. There's nothing but garbage lying to the side waiting for you. That little voice that's inside of you is telling you don't look, listen to it. Guard your eyes. And then lastly, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. We find that uh, this, uh, in Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, we have this element added that we don't see in Luke's. But this is how Jesus closes the prayer. Matthew 6.13. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Goes full circle. We begin by praising him. We end by thanking, acknowledging, and praising him. Jesus teaches us here the elements of prayer, things, you know, study it. There are other prayers in the Bible to study. It's interesting. But here we find the prayers to be simple, earnest, and comprehensive. God is good. Why don't we close this segment by repeating the Lord's Prayer? Shall we do that together? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, thank you again for your kindness towards us. Thank you, Lord, that right within the Lord's Prayer, you are teaching us the elements of prayer, how to approach you. And the most amazing, most fantastic thing of it all is you give us the privilege of calling our Father, Daddy. Lord, help us to understand more fully what it means because it all begins there. Help us to understand more deeply what it means. But also, Lord, help us to give to you the respect that is due you. And as we approach a holy God, that we may become holy as well. Father, we praise your holy and righteous name. I I pray, Lord, that you will help us here to transition into our last segment and that you'll continue to glorify your name in these meetings. But Lord, the greatest blessing is your presence. And so we ask that it remained with us. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.